Hello, this is Eloisa Candelo and welcome to All Not Knowing, a series of conversations about embracing a growth mindset. Today, I will be talking with Ulysses Mello, the former director of IBM Research Lab in Brazil. Ulysses is a brilliant strategist, a brave and a visionary researcher who thinks ahead of his time. Welcome, Ulysses. Thank you, Eloisa. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Ulysses, I know you have grown up in São Paulo, Brazil, and your first degree was in geology. Was it an interest you had since your childhood? Could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, actually, I had many interests. Geology was one of them, but honestly, I always liked to solve problems and to understand nature. And uh, so I was always gravitating to different aspects, different forms of engineering. And, but the geology at the end captured my imagination because there are a lot of uh, very interesting questions and applications. And did you do any course before doing geology? What was your path before starting the university? No, actually, in geology, I never took any course. Before that, I did the typical Apollo uh, career path. Honestly, I, I didn't have a mindset to what I want to do. I had a mindset to what I did not want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wanted always to, uh, to be kind of a challenge and find interesting areas that I could spend a lot of time without being bored. It's better to work on something that gives you a lot of pleasure and reward. And the geology, one of the key attractions for me was fieldwork because mm-hmm. I was not quite sure if I want to spend a lot of time in offices and the field work was something that I could go out and I love outdoors, camping, motorcycling and biking. So that's why you like motorcycles, because you like to be outside. Yeah, the sense of freedom has been always something that I enjoyed. And you mentioned that some things that you were sure of things that you didn't want to do. What didn't you want to do? Well, uh, for example, when I did my high school in technical areas, I spent some time working in a large auto company, uh, American one that was based in, in Sao Paulo. And at that time, my experience was that as an engineer in that company, you essentially had to bring projects from other countries and implement it there. So since I always had passion to do new things, design, I thought that just replicating things that have been developed before was not something that I enjoyed. Okay, and I know that you did your master in Ouro Preto, that's a beautiful and historical city in Brazil. Could you talk a little bit how was to be there in that historical city, Ouro Preto. That was a fantastic experience because my first job outside of uh, school, at São Paulo University in geology, was in Bahia. I worked for a gold mining company there. And after working a couple of years, I decided to go back to school to do graduate studies. And so I applied to a basic analysis course that has uh, the School of Mines uh, in Ouro Preto was um, offering, and I was accepted. So this was a great 
opportunity. I think that one of the, the biggest Brazilian oil company was bringing a lot of professors from outside. We had great courses over there. And the place was phenomenal. I, I, I never been before in Ouro Preto, but being in Ouro Preto, Ouro Preto is the kind of city that you love it or you hate it. For me, it was a blast, a great experience because it was like going to a time machine. If you walk at night in Ouro Preto, it looks like you don't know which century you are because there are no, no cars and all the architecture is still from the colonial times. So it's uh, beautiful. I have fond memories of the time that I was there. Is there any memory that you'd like to share? Oh, this was a great time. It was in many ways from the beginning of uh, my life because it was the first year of marriage for me. Oh. And also I was exposed to a lot of new thinking. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that time in Europe, it was a, a lot of fun because it was the first time that we had the full screen editor. So I had the opportunity to develop code and compile and see the result on, on the screen in a few seconds. So mm -hmm. it was very rewarding. And this is the time that I started to do quantitative geosciences that became a computational geosciences that led me to IBM because I want to work with big computers. I joined IBM as a computational geologist. I joined as a postdoc. At that time, there was a group of people like me. There was medical doctors doing computational biology, people doing computational astrophysics. So it was very interesting because each one of us had a different domain, but we used similar tools. Applied math and high-performance computing was in common. So this was the fascinating part of the science that I always enjoyed and how to apply that uh, over the years to solve problems. So in some ways, uh, this goes back to uh, probably the theme of this discussion about growth mindset. If you have growth mindset, you enjoy learning and growing and having impact. You also have to find a company that matches your ambitions because yeah. you wanted to work in a place that essentially uh, not only allow, but um, it stimulates you to develop uh, the best that you can to have um, new products, commercial mm -hmm. products, but commercial products that are going to transform the way we live to become a, a better place, you become a better person, and the, the, everyone wins. Uh, so, but so that time, I guess... Did you know that IBM had all those values? I'm curious, so what attracted you? To yeah, I didn't know at all. I, I was in a phase of my life that I finished my PhD and I wanted to return to Brazil. Um, but this was a turbulent economic time in Brazil. So even financially, it would be dis difficult to return. So I said, let me buy a little bit of time and do a postdoc. And I had opportunity mm -hmm. This is uh, the coincidence of life, right? Mm. Because I was presenting my work uh, on modeling, large-scale geological basing in, in a company, and that there were some IBM researchers oh. doing a project with that company, and they heard my talk. And after that, they say, do you know, we are moving from the 
physical to digital. We wanted to do things that we would we used to do, you know, in lab experiments to do more computationally, like you know, design a new airplane rather than use the wind tunnel by modeling the wind tunnel in the computer. So when the, the computational geoscience model the whole ev evolution of a given basin kind of fits the bill, right? So went to the TJ Watson at that time to give a talk and they invite me to, you know, to, to join as a, as a postdoc to be part of physical science. So IBM was an opportunity uh, to know better the, the company, to improve my skills in supercomputing. A smarter planet. What could be better for a, a computational geologist than working in a smart planet? Uh -huh. So that was fantastic to me because we start to, to think about instrumenting the planet uh, uh -huh. and understand how we use that data, not only understand the behavior of the, the planet, but how humans, industries impact and how we could improve consumption of energy, reduce uh, impact, smart buildings. Yeah, mm -hmm. So uh, th th this is the part that uh, kept me in, in IBM because yeah. when we think about a company that has 110 years old, this company has to reinvent itself every number of years. And you are in that journey so if you spend like uh, more than 20 years like I spent in IBM, I've seen two or three you know, generations of a reinvention. And the, every reinvention is a challenge and the opportunity that you can look at to say how uh, my skills, I think, can help to shape it up this new phase of, of the company. Uh -huh. <laughs> so your knowledge has to evolve and the, the company is evolving and uh, you learn, you're being challenged mm -hmm. and use what you learn to grow uh, yourself, to grow the company. So if you enjoy that mindset, if you enjoy that environment, uh, it becomes a, a diver a diversion amusement park. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you learn a lot with uh, other fields. And when you become like a lab director, how did you use all those things that you learned before? Did it help or not? Or it was a new word to be a lab director in Brazil? Well, you bring a lot, everything that you have, but my career be before becoming a lab director was essentially um, a technical career. I became manager. I was a reluctant manager because I didn't want to go to that uh, path, but because I started to develop a project that become team-oriented, I prefer then to, to go to management because that would enable me to, to be more effective. That was the first time that I understood that I always loved to work with teams because when you compose the right set of teams, uh, this is what brings a lot of uh, differentiation uh, to the projects. The whole thing about having a successful lab is about having good people and people that are able to work well together. Do that is not only uh, technical skills. You also want to people to be motivated, engaged. So there is a whole set of cultural aspects that I, 
I started to uh, to invest more. So operational part, when I was in, in U.S., I thought everything worked fine, so I didn't even know that some groups existed, to be honest. And when I went to Brazil, we had to start the lab from scratch, and the first thing that you do is to set a structure that has finance operations, communications. So I had to learn a lot to work with those groups that support us and enable us. How did you manage all those pieces? Now it's about operations. Now it's about, oh, let's open something for this kind of researcher that can work with a hardcore engineering. How did you manage all those pieces being a lab director? Well, as I said, there are things that you know, but the best thing that you, you always do is to hire people that know everything better than you. So, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for example, you you have it to count on people. Look, Eloise, at the, at the end of the day, is a lot about critical thinking, about how to think about, to decompose, tear apart problems, and to recompose and rebuild in the right way. is to, to work together and think. Uh, so, uh, is that a team sport thing? And about, about that. Uh, how yeah. do you manage your managers? What, what you are, uh, as, a, as a manager, uh, your main role is to enable and to help. So uh, the first question you ask, how we can I help you? What is the problem? What is the bottleneck? Are you sure that this is the best direction to go? But yeah. you, you want to make sure that uh, everybody um, uh, agrees you have it to you have it to feel that you have a purpose so you want to make sure that the people give you insights because they think that if you go that direction good things are going to come out from that mm-hmm. and they would love to work in problems and use their skills in some way you ask the questions that made them think about what they are doing and you help them to to go in the right way as well, asking the right questions. So that's great. No, we build something together. You know, if you get a plant of a house that you co-design, you would be much more motivated to build that house than just get a blueprint and say, go there and build it. You understand why you're building that wall. You understand why you're building what you're building. And that part of management is critical mm-hmm. because yeah. communicating why you do things, why that is important, and that people sometimes even fight to you if they disagree, is a great part of the process because mm-hmm. it's in that way that you converge to something better for everyone. So, Ulysses, let's talk about your current role. You are the director of... Uh, IBM GTO. What is GTO? Well, the GTO is, uh, it stands for uh, Global Technology Outlook. So this is an annual process that IBM Research owns, and we have been running this process for the last 40 years. The, the idea was we would look for emerging technologies that could 
change or disrupt our business? What is the evolution of a display? What is the evolution of CPUs? How that evolution could change and enable us to create new systems, for example. But now this evolved to, to become something much broader and strategic uh, for the company. We are looking at these emerging technologies and we uh, see the evolution of that, the maturity of those technologies and possible development and implications and how that could disrupt current business, how that could disrupt uh, the way we do things. This is a very fascinating role because essentially we spend a lot of time screening those technologies and seeing those directions. For example, um, last year, one of the main themes of the GTO was accelerated discovery. And of course, this was heavily influenced by the environment because we had COVID and COVID requires new vaccines. And uh, we knew that the cycle of a discovery could take 10 years, a lot of investment and say, can we use tech current technologies or emerging technologies to compress the cycle and have, for example, design of new drugs in much shorter time? We looked at the emerging computational technologies like quantum, AI, generative models to generate new molecules or candidates that could be tested and then use cloud-based remote labs to test new chemicals. So the idea is essentially to create a point of view every year about those emerging technologies and how they can uh, affect us, IBM. and from that perspective, then take actions and make recommendations to our senior leadership to where we should pay attention, where our investment should go. It's very rewarding because you can see that the culmination of that process, how that guides investments, how that guides creation of new strategies and projects, not only in IBM research, but in our business units mm-hmm. to focus on things that will become the new generation of product services and the way we do business, new business models and so forth. And how is the team that you work? How do you decide those teams and, oh, okay, this will be the next trend? Yeah, this is another fascinating way of working, right? At the beginning of the year, you do know where you're going to land, what are the topics, what are the emerging technologies. So so you cannot set up a team that's fixed. You have a small team that runs the process, but also reaches out to executives, companies, researchers, thought leaders, and start to ingest all that information. And depending what is becoming preeminent, you start to form a team on demand, based on the expertise required. So every year, I ended up working with 50, 70 people that are different because they bring different expertise and insights from different areas. Are there any challenges in agreeing and converging ideas? Do you remember any situation that we can learn from you when you have several people thinking and trying to, to have one way of... I would say it's an exercise 
of analysis, but also is an exercise of emotional intelligence, right? Mm. Because <laughs> everybody is seeing trends, is, is seeing technologies emerging. They have an opinion about it. Because it's emerging, we still do not have all the evidence. So you're uh, working with incomplete data and you have to re rely a lot on people that have a lot of depth, but also a lot of op opinions and passion about yeah. uh, directions. I'll give you an idea. In general, digital is about the future. As they say, uh, the future is complicated. Uh, and I used to use uh, a slide to introduce the GTO showing that very successful people have made very wrong predictions about the technology because they thought that only five computers was enough or the 600K of memory was enough. So the lesson from that is that it doesn't matter how smart you are, how much you know, you can be wrong. So bring the evidence, give your opinion, but you also have to be prepared that some people will think differently and that the outcome can be different. You have to discuss a lot and learn how people think and how they react and not take personally. In that way, there is a people aspect. You want to work with people that are very passionate, very deep, but you have to be humble enough that you don't have a 360 degree of a view of all, all the other dimensions that this technology can have impact. And this is an exercise that requires discipline, mm -hmm. and, you know, of thinking, discipline of uh, discussion. This is why the process exists, by the way, because the whole thing is to curate this process uh, by discussing and uh, socializing all those ideas with as many people as you can uh, to see what is right, what you may be missing, and then you develop a point of view. So if thinking about that in GTO or in another context, was there a situation when you needed to reevaluate the directions you were headed, maybe in GTO or other situations in your life? And uh, what happened? Like, okay, now I saw that I was wrong and I need to change the direction. If you have an example about that, do you? Do you have? Well, in GTO, how many times we evolve a theme and we like the theme, but when we socialize, this is so uh, out of our competences that it's going to be hard for us to execute. Perhaps that's not... Mm. It's not something that we should be doing. Perhaps we should partner. Perhaps we should work with somebody else to do that. You have to realize, yes, I did a lot of work. I will have to start from the scratch. I'm an optimist. Always, I think everything that I have learned, it doesn't go to garbage. The way the company changes, right? Look, for example, climate change now. A lot of times we thought that would be something important to do, but it was always harder uh, to structure business around it. And then now a lot of us have worked on that for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, IBM even acquired the, the, the weather company. We say we have all the elements. Now is the right time. 
you you can be frustrated for things do not happen before but now now is the time so you reuse everything that always become benefit so i'm very careful to jump into conclusions about setbacks because Mm -hmm. what's really a setback for you in that moment could be a, a huge asset for you later on in another situation. I, I'm a firm believer that you never waste knowledge. How can you help others to be in this kind of mindset, the growth mindset, like that I can learn with that? You know, this is something that comes with life and experience. When you know, you're younger, you don't have a full perspective yet. You know, your life allows you to collect a set of experience and that new thing, may look overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is where reading and understanding of a history of what happened before, probably this is not new. Somebody has faced something like that before. Talk to more people. Don't, don't try to solve mm-hmm. everything by yourself because uh, perhaps you're not totally equipped to, to deal with that. This is the same way with every problem in life. Sometimes you're equipped to handle yourself, sometimes you're not. You need to to talk to other people, get other insights. For me, you were an example of how a leader should be, leading the team to grow and succeed while keeping human values. So thanks, Ulysses, for this enlightening discussion. And I learned a lot with you. Thanks, Eloisa. My pleasure. Congratulate you and your team for... Uh, this initiative is always great uh, to share your experience. Thank you for the opportunity here. That wraps up today's episode of On Not Knowing. A big thanks to our producer and Aaron, Cindy for doing the technical edition and John to co-host this podcast. I'm Eloisa Candelo and thanks for listening. <music>